Money Roots is made possible by the support of our sponsor, Rooted Planning Group. Are you ready to take control of your financial future? Look no further than Rooted Planning Group, your trusted partner in financial well-being. At www.rootedpg.com, you'll discover a wealth of resources and expertise to help you thrive financially. Rooted Planning Group specializes in personalized financial planning, investment management, and retirement strategies. They understand that every financial journey is unique, and they're here to guide you every step of the way. With a team of experienced advisors, Rooted Planning Group is committed to helping you cultivate a secure and prosperous future. Visit www.rootedpg.com today to learn more about how Rooted Planning Group can help you grow your money roots. Every week, it's our goal to share financial information that helps you in both your life and financial vineyard. We hope it takes you from your roots to the journey of your vines and the influences in the air that help craft your delicious life. Like wine, life and finances have different palettes that should be celebrated and not judged. Welcome to this edition of Wine and Dime with Amy Irvine and Kate Welker. And for those of you, if you could only see us right at this very minute, I actually have a towel on my head and Kate's hair is wet. So we're real and (laughs) it's April and that's all I have to say about that. So to start the show, let's just say welcome, Kate. (laughs) Welcome. I'm so glad to be back again. Uh, Yes, we are recording in that time of year that things get a little hectic for us. said we're real so <laughs> it's good we're to let real. the audience know that we're not always uh, all put together yeah either. We're, we're super real this morning um but so much uh for talking about towels on the head let's talk about the real crux of uh today is a friday as we're usually recording on a friday so my mind automatically goes to what am i drinking this evening <laughs> And Kate and I have been talking a little bit about a winery called Arbor Hill. It's off from Canandaigua Lake. Canandaigua is not a lake I often mention, Um, but we were talking a little bit about it. And it is a family adventure, I would say. And um, Kate, I don't know if you've actually had the opportunity to visit Arbor Hill Winery or not. I have not had a chance. Uh, We enjoy Canandaigua. I was sharing with you a little bit of that's where my husband went to college and kind of how we got together was an event he had to go back to as an alumnus. So we'll go back there like our anniversary last year we went and toured there's a gardens that um, I'm sure he was thrilled to tour that with me but uh, it was a nice little area, beautiful lake, beautiful mountains around it. So it would be uh, something I think we should make a stop in the future. And I do think it's a place that you could take the kids because they do have like grape flavored twists and and it's really, it's not a party atmosphere, um, mm-hmm. but it's a fun atmosphere and it's a beautiful view. Oh my gosh. You just, it's extraordinary view from up there. So when I was looking through the options, um, as you know, I like dry reds, um, you know, most of the time, but they do have some good Gewurztraminer, which is a dry white. They have a lot of fun sauces. They have some really good, I would think, champagne kind, well, sparkling wine because we can't say <laughs> champagne. Um, they even have chocolate-covered wine bottles. I so, am so intrigued by what that entails. <laughs> 
And they also have some like raspberry wines. So I think it's a place that for people that are just every range can go mm-hmm. in for. So that's our tip for today is go visit either online, um, their website. I love it. It's the grapery.com <laughs> or go visit their beautiful view and uh, try some of their wine. So um, people might be wondering, what are we going to talk about in the month of April, especially considering the timing that this podcast is going to be released? And they're probably thinking taxes, but nope, we covered that mostly in the month of March. And now it's the recovery zone from the tax season. (laughs) And April tends to be a spring cleaning month for a lot of people. So Kate and I thought we'd talk a little bit about how to maybe do some spring cleaning with your paperwork. Kate, what are your thoughts around that? Yeah, I think that is a great topic to talk about right now. And I know for me, working with taxes in the tax season, uh, spring cleaning brings a couple thoughts to mind beyond just getting my house in order. And also things tend to get, you know, if it's not urgent, it gets put aside for a few months. So my spring cleaning is definitely needed. Um, but also thinking of taxes and the paperwork that comes along with getting organized for that, just paperwork in general mm-hmm. and things we have on hand that are accumulating or piling. I hear people sometimes tell me, I just have so many papers, um, especially going through like a situation or dealing, I actually recently a couple of people that have had to see spouses, all the paperwork, mm-hmm. um, like, what do I have? What do I need to keep? Where do I need to file it? And uh, I will admit myself, I try to be organized, but I tend to see documents come in if they're not urgent. And I know they seem to be filed away. Sometimes they go in the to be filed file that is not actually filed yet and grows um, until I sit down and tackle it. Instead of spending a little time at a time, I have a large project to sort and, and process and determine what to file and what to get rid of. Do you keep uh, paper files? Is that how you keep things? Uh, I do both. Uh, I still have quite a f- I don't. I've, I've pared down my paper files and I'm working to go more digital with my own files. Yeah. 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 I think one of the, so I, Brent and I are basically all virtual because of being in two locations you know, we need to be able to access our files regardless where we're at, whether it's New York or whether it's Florida. So we tend to keep things um, virtual. And I've been adding more and more stuff to our vault system because then if anybody else on the team ever needed to access that information, they'd they'd have, you know, that information Mm -hmm. available to them. Is there, um, is there a certain, because everybody has their own filing system, right? Is mm-hmm. there a certain way that you organize things like in your mind, um, sort of certain file system that you use or um, mm-hmm. any recommendations that you have for people if they're just wondering like where to get started? Where to get started? Yeah. And like you said, everyone's a little bit different. So I do think it's important before I even get into like my system that Someone knows your system as well, Mm -hmm. someone important to you. So for me, it should be my spouse understands how I file. Mm -hmm. Um, I know with my parents, sometimes my father doesn't understand the way my mother files because her brain works differently than his. So just explaining whatever your system is. So for me, I tend to file things by topic. So I have like insurance as a topic for me. And then I have subfiles for like auto, home medical. Um, I have one for legal documents. And then from there, it's things like our passports or birth certificates. Um, And even in my digital files, this is how I do it too. So I go by a large topic and then down. I don't go by company. I do know some people that file by 
um, like progressive. They put mm-hmm. their insurance stuff in progressive where I do it by topic, what it means. Because to me, I can just think through no matter if my company's change, it's always my auto insurance is in that file. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And in kind of sensical that way. Uh, same with utilities. Like I do utility and then um, like by company if needed. So it really, it's creating almost like a table of contents for somebody if they ever need it. Yes. And I think for, I like that system because I, like I said, I think it makes a little more sense if someone else came in, it would be easy to walk through and find where things were. And if you're, you know, you're changing companies or as life goes on and you forget what happened two years ago or what you were thinking at that point in time, it should be right there and, and make sense to you at all points in time. Yeah. Where, where to put things as well. Where to put things and kind of digging a little bit deeper. Um, a lot of people ask me questions like, how long should I keep my tax documents? And it sort of depends, right? It absolutely depends. Uh, it's always, <laughs> I feel that's our answer for so many things. It depends. Um, so the IRS says three years. Uh, I tend to lean towards seven years. And But what I will also tell some um, people is the your actual tax forms, like your 1040s, that information the IRS could recreate. They should be able to recreate if they really needed to go back. Uh, and that's usually the smallest piece of our taxes. It's more the documentation behind it mm-hmm. that I'm concerned about. So if you don't have a business, if you're not itemizing, the three years would probably be okay for you and your situation. Um, and when we talk about going back like seven years, that's because if you got audited going back three years and they found something, they could then choose to open up mm-hmm. past years. And it's mm-hmm. more of a concern for traditionally someone that has a business or a rental itemized deductions, taking a lot of deductions that you'd have to prove to the IRS mm-hmm. and have mm-hmm. that documentation. And a few states like California actually recommend a little bit longer than three years. So you should know what your state kind of guidelines are as well. Yes. Which is kind of important. Yep. Um, and then also I, I like, um, you know, kind of leading into the next step is the type of documents to keep. Mm-hmm. So what, the reason I said it depends is because it's not as big of a deal anymore. But years ago, uh, custodians were not uh, asset custodians were not required to keep track of the price you paid for the stocks and bonds and mutual funds that you purchased. Mm-hmm. So if you have some relatively old positions, then you should hold hopefully have that documentation and never get rid of it because it might be needed to be used to be, to recreate that, what we call basis. So that's really important to kind of keep that documentation for a long period of time. Mm -hmm. But if you are looking at, I don't, I don't know, like old gas bills Mm -hmm. and, you know, those kinds of things, not necessarily needed unless you used it on your tax return as a home office expense to keep for years and years and years and years, right? Right. So that was, uh, I started initially the first time I had a home, I had a home office. So I just had to, I kept utility bills and this was prior to, I would say, reliable digital storage. Um, so everything was paper. So I'd had the, the gas bills, the, the electric bills, everything, we eat, internet, cell phone. Uh, now those can just come electronically and I download them and <clears throat> keep them. So if you, if again, use it for a business, keep it, but electronic, anything you can transfer that big paperwork like that, mm-hmm. electronic is excellent. And the IRS, the last two audits I've seen have requested everything in electronic format. 
Um, um, especially post COVID. That was why they did not want anyone coming to the office. So they asked if we could put it in a digital format, put it on a flash drive and mail it to them mm-hmm. um, that way instead. So they could have digital receipt of those expenses. So that clears it out. Yeah. Um, one thing I thought about keeping longer as well than even the seven years when you mentioned cost basis, uh, it still refers to basis, but on homes and properties, yep. because anything you've added to your home increases the basis or if you own an investment property. And so uh, under our current laws, your <laughs> your home, you can exclude $250,000 of gain per person. So, you know, for a married household, it's $500,000 of gain. In my situation, the part of the country I live in, I will not see that kind of gain, gain on a home, most likely. So most people are like, I'm not worried about it. I can exclude it. But we never know if those laws could change in the future. So mm-hmm. I make sure any improvements we've done, I have a separate file. Um I actually keep a spreadsheet that goes through like what we, what improvements we've kept in the house and how the basis has increased. Um, that and it's easy when we go like anything that needs to be done banking or if you have an appraisal, it's, there's already a record of it right. in one part, one place. But those records are really important. Or if you convert your house to a rental at some point, if you move out, mm-hmm. you're going to need that information. So that's information you should hold on to. Uh, I would say in, in, indefinitely or until mm-hmm. you dispose of the asset. Mm-hmm. A few other things that I think are are good indefinite indefinite items to hold on to is if unfortunately you've had a divorce, you want to keep those divorce papers on file and you want to keep your ex-spouse's social security number if at all possible, because if you are married more than 10 years, when you file for social security, you want to be able to you know see which benefit is bigger, yours or your ex-spouse's. Mm-hmm. Also, if you have served in the military, you want to keep those discharge papers. That's something that you'll need to come up with potentially for veterans benefits, but sometimes for other benefits like tax savings and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And then yeah, I'll add the piggyback on that, Amy. My, my mom's family was recently eligible for a benefit for my grandfather because of where he served in World War, World War II. Uh-huh. Um, there was some radioactive testing and they were eligible for a, a family benefit, but they needed his discharge papers so it was a lengthy process. Or no, they just needed his number, but they didn't have it. Yeah. So it was a lengthy process to go back and recreate those records. So yeah. if you can keep it on file, if it was in his files, his family w- would have had it and they did not. Yeah. Yeah. That's an important one. And I, and I also think, you know, um, one thing before you do discard any of those tax documents that Kate mentioned about on the three to seven years. One thing that I've recommended to folks is to go to pull their social security statement once a year. You can get that electronically now. It's a pain. I get it. But to go pull their social security statement once a year, compare the earnings reported on the social security statement to the actual W-2. We actually recently found uh, somebody that had a very different social security wage base compared to their W-2. And when we started tracking down why, apparently somebody had filed using their social security number and had social security tax withheld. So when the two W-2s got reported to the social security office, it combined the wage base. So we were able to actually go back and track that down. And we don't know if it was an error by the reporting company or what it was, but the person that we found it on never worked for that particular company. So um, 
I was more concerned of identity theft, you know, in that right. situation. And, and so we, you know, we froze their credit report. We reported it to the social security and Medicare office, you know, like all of those things. But we've, we discovered that because we compared their prior W-2 to their social security statement. So that's another, you know, way to sort of protect yourself as a, you know, sort of side note um, mm-hmm. that I wanted to throw out there. So, you know, once you destroy those W-2s, it's a bit challenging to go back and and recreate. So just balancing that or, you know, comparing that against your social security statement, I think is, is pretty mm-hmm. important. Yes. And you can, I mean, the digital storage doesn't take up as much space. So right. if you are concerned, because I know sometimes it's hard to let go of those important papers, you could always scan them and keep them that way too, so that you could yeah. dispose of the physical files. As long as if you had a digital copy, it's back up if you ever needed it for something. Yeah. And sort of wrapping up our conversation today on that point, um, you know, the digital scanners used to be very expensive, especially a fast digital scanner. Mm-hmm. Um, so two kind of thoughts I'd love to hear your commentary on. One is um, your thoughts on, you know, one to $200 on a decent digital scanner, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. So I have one. I love mine. Um, I almost just held it up like everyone can see my scanner. Um, I have a little, mine's an Epsom, but it folds, it folds up. It was under $200. I think it was under $200. And for me, it was a little bit of a like saved up gift for myself. I kept saying, should I, shouldn't I? Um, One I love, I can carry it. So for our work with, if I have to go to a client, it can go with me and I could scan something. But personally, it's nice because it doesn't have to be out all the time. I kind of tuck it down next to my, where my printer is. And then I can just pull it up, plug it into the computer. It's fast. You can load multiple pages opposed to the old like printer where you said to put one page at a time. And right. So I, if I, and I will be honest, if I have to do like multiple pages, I will put things off forever as in the, by saying multiple pages, I have to lift the lid, put the page down and scan mm-hmm. where the automatic with an auto document feed um, just saves that mental process. Knowing it. This, this, this will be less than a two minute job. I can right. get it done quickly and get it filed. So that is one that um, it actually you know, takes you less time to do that because it's one or two minutes versus actually putting things in the filing cabinet and the paper file. Exactly. Yeah, it's just there. It's done and um, it can be out and take up take up less space in my house and or my files and less space in my brain to think about mm-hmm. what to do with that or how to take care of it. Um, I know there's other ones out there. That's just the one I've had and it works um, really well. So I like that it's tiny. It can fold up. It can be portable. Uh, more and more of the family printers, though, are you can find home family like home office um, mm-hmm. options there as well. And then I have for little things, I actually have a scanner um, app on my phone, so mm-hmm. I can take. I mean, I had to pay for it; there was a fee for it, but I can take a picture of something. I like that sometimes for receipts, things like that. Mm-hmm. When I'm out on the go, I can just take a, a picture, scan it, um, and have it saved. They're pretty. Those apps though are pretty inexpensive, under twenty five bucks. Oh, I think the one I have was maybe five dollars yeah, yeah. They're, they're very inexpensive and again they're not they're not always the clearest scan compared to mm-hmm. using an actual scanner like the resolution's a little low but it works for the majority of items yeah that we would need. and then the second that those are great tips thank you and then the second question as a follow-up is and this is a, a concern that i think a lot of people legitimately have is if i'm scanning this stuff and i'm saving it on my computer what if my computer breaks? What are your mm-hmm. thoughts on cloud storage? And, uh, you know, I get tons of questions on the safety of cloud storage um, between Apple and Google and 
Amazon and Backupify mm-hmm. and all of those different things that are out there. Barracuda is another one that you can actually do like remote storage of your hard drive. What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, so I've gotten a lot more comfortable with it. Initially, I think I had some concerns just as a user and consumer, like a lot of people did. But as long as it's a reputable a reputable company and you, maybe you do your own research on security, um, I'm like I use I personally use Google Drive for a lot of my files. I'm very comfortable with their security. Um, you can also use a backup system. So there's software out there that can back up your files so that even if the cloud went down, there's a, a backup to your cloud. Uh, mm-hmm. So you almost have triple backup. If your computer dies, you've got a cloud backup. And if the cloud goes down, there's a, another backup source out there mm-hmm. if you wanted an extra layer uh, of protection. Um, and then on your end, just good internet security across the board is important. So whatever you're using as a system, you need to keep your system secure because I think honestly, the odds of someone getting into your system versus say Google is probably a little higher if you're not careful. Yeah. I think that password security feature is really something that's pretty critical. I think making sure you have a strong password. I also, and maybe I'm skeptical about this, but I also feel like if you pay a little bit for it, you have better security, right? And and the things that I always check is, is my data at rest encrypted? Is my data in movement encrypted? And those are the two things that I always look for when I'm looking at backup services. So, and, and also is your, um, is your computer encrypted, right? Can, is it at rest? Is it encrypted? So those are things that I think it's, I do like with Google, I know, and Amazon, um, they have all of your data is split among multiple servers. So it's not like it's all sitting in one place. So if one server gets hacked, if you want to call it that, then they're not actually going to be able to get all the data because it's not, it's not all together. Like pieces of the data are in one server and then other pieces of the data are on another server. So, you know, that's something that I think is really important to explore when you're thinking about that. But I I think everybody should have some sort of backup system, whether it's a thumb drive, an external hard drive, uh, a a virtual backup, whatever it might be in today's world with so much going on. I, I just think that, you know, if your system gets hacked, knowing what got hacked and whether or not it was encrypted will really give you a peace of mind. And then if God forbid, you're one of those people that get, uh, um, you know, uh, what do they call that when you, uh, oh, you're asking for, say, yeah, like you're, asking you're for money, basically, yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, then, um, you know, if you have a backup to the data and it's encrypted data, then you probably aren't going to have to pay the fee to get your data back. So yes. um, any other tips that you would give? regarding, you know, spring cleaning and, um, you know, heading into May even. Yeah. So um, for me, a clean like space and slate is kind of a happy space, uh, even (laughs) though it can be hard to do. So I try to work on a little bit at a time, but I know it can be um, a project at times we want to hide it, but just sort of giving yourself some time to deal with it. If you can get a system that is easy for you, you're going to be more apt to stay on top of it with your information. And um, not be afraid to get rid of things that you don't need to hold on to anymore. So um, we didn't, I don't think we have the time to go into every document you could have out there, but if it's something that you really don't see a need that it's going to come up on a tax return, you're going to need to prove anything on it. And it's a, or if it's a bill that's been paid and settled, you can 
get rid mm-hmm. of that unless you have mm-hmm. any any reason you can think of you'd need it in the future. But if not, you can get rid of that. You don't need to keep everything um, forever. Well, I appreciate um, you taking the time considering what's going on in today's world and how busy everybody is. But um, tax season is almost over. And I think as this podcast is going to be released, you are going to be enjoying a little bit of R&R with your family, which I'm so excited about. I am hopefully, hopefully sitting on a beach and enjoying some sunshine um, when this airs. And, and the important thing about that when we talk about clearing the clutter is also clearing the mental clutter. Mm-hmm. So I am like UK, if I have a space that is cluttered with papers and you know, documents and I can't focus. I'm like Mm -hmm. a squirrel and I'm hopping Mm -hmm. from item to item. So I think we talk a lot about paper. We talk a lot about filing, but I also think it's important to know, and maybe that's a future podcast where we talk about how we clear our mental space. I think it is. Maybe May is spring cleaning for our mind. That sounds great. (laughs) Stay tuned. (laughs) We'll give you tips as we talk about how we did that after tax season. Thanks everybody for listening. We hope you've enjoyed this podcast in the jam session between Kate and Amy, if you like this show, please feel free to share it with your friends, your family, like us on LinkedIn, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And don't forget to write us on Apple and Spotify because the more that you rate us, the more our rating moves up and great people get to listen to what we're talking about. We hope you all have a wonderful day or evening after you listen to this. Bye-bye. And that will about do it for today's episode of Wine and Dine. You can contact Amy through the website, www.rootedpg.com or amy at rootedpg.com. You can also follow us on Facebook and Instagram at rootedpg for the latest news. And if you have any questions, comments, or topics you would like to hear about, feel free to let us know. And don't forget to rate and subscribe the show wherever you get your podcasts. And again, thank you for listening and be sure to tune in next time.